The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today we're going to be discussing abandoned plot lines in the Harry Potter series. When we reminisce about JK Rowling and her incredible world, it's hard not to think about all the tweaks and twists she's made to Harry Potter canon over the years. From publishings on Pottermore slash Wizarding World, to the Fantastic Beast movies, all the way to her active presence on Twitter, Rowling seems to have an unending desire to shake things up. But amidst all these additions and alterations, there have also been mentions of things that Rowling considered, but later chose to discard. From relatively minor to major, today we'll be discussing the changes to the story that didn't make the cut discarded treasures that were banished to the literary bin. After the video, let me know what you think should have slash should not have been included down in the comment section below. Anyway, let's get into it. 1. Ron Weasley almost dying in the middle of the series. Kicking things off with a big one, the death of Ron. In the very early stages of JK Rowling's creative process, there were originally some discussions about the possibility of Ron Weasley dying. This prospect came from JK Rowling's eagerness to delve into darker themes and potentially offer a more dramatic and devastating twist to the narrative. And devastating it would have been, as the loss of Ron would undoubtedly have caused profound grief not only to Harry and Hermione, but to fans worldwide. It also would have had some serious ramifications. Ron's absence would have completely altered the dynamics of the trio leaving Harry and Hermione to navigate their journeys without their loyal companion. Furthermore, the loss of Ron's humor, warmth, and unwavering loyalty would have undoubtedly left a palpable void in the series, changing the course of events and the relationship between the characters. However, fortunately for us, as the series progressed, Rowling recognized the vital role Ron played within the story. His humor, bravery, and unwavering support provided a much-needed balance to the darker elements of the wizarding world. Ultimately, she made the decision to spare Ron's life, allowing him to continue growing alongside Harry and Hermione and contributing to the ultimate defeat of Voldemort. Funnily enough, I planned from the start that none of the trio would die. Then midway through, which I think is a reflection of the fact that I wasn't in a very happy place, I started thinking I might polish one of them off, out of sheer spite. There, now you definitely can't have him anymore. But I think in my absolute heart of hearts, although I did seriously consider killing Ron, I wouldn't have done it. 2. Arthur Weasley Dying As if killing Fred and nearly Ron wasn't enough, it turns out that Rowling had also considered killing off the patriarch of the Weasley clan, Arthur. J.K. Rowling has been quite vocal in interviews about her impulses to kill parents in order to amplify the fear Lord Voldemort brought upon the wizarding world. In the fifth installment of the Harry Potter series, Order of the Phoenix, Arthur Weasley became the target of that impulse. In this book, Arthur experiences a harrowing and nearly fatal assault by Nagini, Lord Voldemort's serpentine companion inside of the Department of Mysteries. But fortunately, Rowling couldn't bear to lose Arthur. If there's one character I couldn't bear to part with, it's Arthur Weasley. She told the Today Show back in 2007, I think part of the reason for that is that there were very few good fathers in the book. In fact, you could make a very good case for Arthur Weasley being the only good father in the whole series. Fortunately, Arthur ultimately recovered at St. Mungo's Hospital, 
although it's worth noting that a few muggle stitches made no difference in his miraculous healing. His survival was significant in maintaining the theme of hope and family within the story. Rowling felt that killing Arthur would have been too tragic and would have had too much of a negative impact on the overall tone of the story moving forward. 3. Hermione's dad saving Harry instead of Hagrid Although Hermione's parents, being muggles, led separate lives from Hermione and are not extensively featured in the books, it turns out there was originally a possibility for Hermione's father to have a more significant role in the narrative. During Rowling's planning phase for the Philosopher's Stone, she considered a storyline where the Granger and Potter families were acquainted. In this alternate scenario, the Potters resided on an island, while the Grangers lived on the mainland. When an explosion occurred near the Potters' location, the Grangers would have rushed to their aid. Originally, it was Hermione's father who was envisioned as the one who rescued Harry and brought him to the Dursleys. However, Rowling ultimately assigned this pivotal role to Hagrid. The very, very earliest drafts of the first chapter of Philosopher's Stone have the Potters living on a remote island, Hermione's family living on the mainland, her father spotting something that resembles an explosion out at sea, and sailing out in a storm to find their bodies in the ruins of their house. I can't remember now why I thought this was a good idea, but I clearly recognized that it wasn't fairly early on, because the Potters were relocated to Godric's Hollow for all subsequent drafts. It certainly would have been interesting for the Granger clan to have had more significant contributions to the story, particularly as they would have enlightened us with a muggle perspective on the wizarding world that was a little more pro-magic. 4. Theodore Knott being a rival bully to Draco Malfoy Theodore Knott, a Slytherin student, did make it into the Harry Potter books. However, his role did change quite substantially. As it turns out, Knott was originally conceived as a potential rival to Draco Malfoy. However, this plotline was ultimately abandoned, likely to allow Draco to remain the main antagonist from Slytherin and maintain consistency with his character development. Evidently, Theodore did not remain a bully. Essentially, the two would have acted as Slytherin rivals, with Not being the more clever of the two boys. We rarely see Draco talking to anybody he considers a real equal, and he is forced to see Theodore as such because Theodore is just as pure-blooded as he is and somewhat cleverer, Rowling said. Together, these two Death Eaters' sons discuss Dumbledore's regime at Hogwarts and Harry Potter, with all sorts of stories that the Death Eaters tell about how this baby boy survived the Dark Lord's attack. During the creation of the Harry Potter series, J.K. Rowling even developed a subplot for the pair. In this subplot, Theodore Knott and Draco Malfoy were depicted engaging in conversation in the garden of Malfoy Manor. So fond was Rowling of this scene that she attempted to incorporate it twice in the series, firstly in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and then again in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. However, this particular subplot did not make its way into the published books. 5. Hermione's Sister In the early stages of writing, J.K. Rowling considered giving Hermione a younger sister, a character that we only know as Miss Granger. However, this plotline was abandoned, and Hermione remained an only child throughout the series. The reasons for this change are not explicitly stated, but it is possible that Rowling felt the introduction of a sibling could unnecessarily complicate Hermione's character arc and the dynamics within the trio. I always planned that Hermione would have a younger sister, but she's never made an appearance and somehow it feels like it might be too late now. Hermione's younger sister was apparently due to arrive at Hogwarts sometime around the fourth book, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. 
But by the time the fifth book, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, was released, Rowling believed it was too late. I do wonder though, if Hermione and her sister would have recreated the plight of Lily and Petunia Evans. 6. The Last Words As many of you will already know, the closing words of the Harry Potter books were, All was well. A statement that has satisfied some and caused fury in others. Though relevant, I've always felt as though this rather basic collection of words left a lot to be desired in an otherwise superb collection of books. However, it turns out that J.K. Rowling once considered closing out the books with something else. Initially, J.K. Rowling considered closing out the series with the word Scar instead of All Was Well. The word Scar, of course, holds great symbolism throughout the Harry Potter series, as the lightning-shaped scar on Harry Potter's forehead serves as a constant reminder of his connection to the Dark Lord Voldemort and the traumatic events he's experienced. Choosing to end the series with the word Scar would have emphasized the lingering effects of Harry's past and the lasting presence of darkness in the wizarding world. By opting for All Was Well instead, J.K. Rowling conveyed a different tone and message. The phrase implies a sense of resolution, indicating that the struggles and conflicts of the story have been overcome and a state of peace and harmony has been achieved. It provides closure for readers by reassuring them that the characters they have grown to love are living in a world where they can finally find solace. Unfortunately, we don't have any more info about the potential build-up to the word Scar or what that would have looked like. 7. Dudley Dursley's Wizard Son In an interview, J.K. Rowling once mentioned that she contemplated giving Dudley Dursley, Harry's awful cousin, a son that would turn out to be a wizard. Throughout the first books, Dudley displays spoiled, self-centered, and cruel behavior. He, along with his parents, treat Harry with disdain and bully him excessively. However, as the series progresses, there is a gradual shift in Dudley's attitude towards Harry, culminating in a deleted scene where he finally extends an olive branch. In this moment of redemption, Dudley extends his hand to Harry and finally acknowledges his worth, carefully admitting, I don't think you're a waste of space. And that was the first time we really saw the good side of Dudley Dursley. Evidently, Rowling had initially planned to take this Dudley redemption arc even further by giving him a magical child of his own. In this alternate subplot, Dudley's magical son would have been seen in the epilogue, along with Harry's at King's Cross Station, being sent off on his own magical journey to Hogwarts. However, this idea was later scrapped as Rowling refused to believe that any wizarding genes could survive being mixed with Vernon's DNA. By giving Dudley a magical child, Rowling would have offered an opportunity for Dudley to confront and challenge his negative beliefs and biases against the wizarding world. After the books ended, Rowling did eventually reveal that Dudley went on to have a family of his own, raising two muggle children. Harry and Dudley would still see each other enough to be on Christmas card terms, but they would visit more out of a sense of duty and sit in silence so that their children could see their cousins. 8. The Sorting Hat the Sorting Hat, a legendary artifact of Hogwarts created by the four founders, holds the power to determine which house a new student belongs to. It scans the thoughts, traits, and talents of the wearer, delving into their very essence. With this insight, the Sorting Hat uses its wisdom to assign the student to Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, or Slytherin. The four houses of Hogwarts represent a tapestry of diverse virtues nurturing distinct qualities within their members. 
and in many ways the Sorting Hat has transcended the page, with nearly every diehard Harry Potter fan proudly professing their Hogwarts house to anyone who will listen. But what if I told you that the Sorting Hat nearly didn't exist? Though Rowling was sure that she wanted students sorted into four different houses with their own unique qualities, the Sorting Hat had a couple lackluster early incantations. Originally, Rowling wanted the Sorting Hat to be a machine that did all kinds of magical things before reaching a decision. Rowling herself admitted that this idea was too easy. Next, she toyed with the idea of students being sorted by the ghosts of the four founders. The ghosts would exist inside statues that came alive in the entrance hall, picking children for their houses one by one. Following that, Rowling grappled with a few more basic ideas, including drawing straws, being picked by a team captain, and pulling names from a hat. The final idea is what stuck, but instead of putting names in a hat, the hat itself ended up with the responsibility of choosing the student's fate. 9. Florian Fortescue The Florian Fortescue we know was the owner of Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor, located in Diagon Alley. Although his character did not play a significant role in the books, he did interact with Harry in Prisoner of Azkaban, where he revealed his extensive knowledge about medieval wizards. Unfortunately, in the summer of 1996, Fortescue was abducted and later murdered by Lord Voldemort. Because Fortescue plays such a minor role, he's not particularly memorable or useful. But as it turns out, he was the subject of a ghost plot that never made it into the final story, one which would have placed great importance on his character. Florian Fortescue, owner of an ice cream parlor in Diagon Alley, is the subject of a ghost plot, a narrative that never made it into the final books. Harry meets him in Prisoner of Azkaban. Later, Harry discovers that an ex-headmaster of Hogwarts was called Dexter Fortescue. Florian is a descendant of Dexter, and I originally planned Florian to be the conduit for clues that I needed to give Harry during his quest for the Hallows, which is why I established an acquaintance fairly early on. At this stage, I imagined the historically-minded Florian might have a smattering of information on matters as diverse as the Elder Wand and the Diadem of Ravenclaw, the information having been passed down in the Fortescue family from their ancient ancestor. As I worked my way nearer to the point where such information would become necessary, I caused Florian to be kidnapped, intending him to be found or rescued by Harry and his friends. The problem was that when I came to write the key parts of Deathly Hallows, I decided that Phineas Nigellus Black was a much more satisfactory means of conveying clues. Florian's information on the diadem also felt redundant, as I could give the reader everything he or she needed by interviewing the Grey Lady. All in all, I seem to have had him kidnapped and killed for no reason. He's not the first wizard whom Voldemort murdered because he knew too much or too little, but he's the only one I feel guilty about because it was all my fault. If Fortescue had indeed given the trio clues about the Elder Wand, he would have been one of the single most important leads in the trio's quest to destroy Voldemort. 10. Helga Hufflepuff's Cauldron? Helga Hufflepuff's cup was a magical item created by Hogwarts founder Helga Hufflepuff herself. It was a small golden cup with two finely wrought handles, featuring a badger, the emblem of Hufflepuff House, engraved on its side, adorned with several precious jewels. In the series, the cup played a significant role as one of the Horcruxes created by the Dark Lord Voldemort. After Voldemort stole the cup from the Lestrange Vault in Gringotts Wizarding Bank, 
It became one of the objects sought after by Harry, Hermione and Ron in their quest to destroy the Horcruxes. In the end, it was destroyed by Hermione who used a basilisk fang. But one interesting tidbit about this Horcrux was that it was originally intended to be a cauldron and not a cup. Cauldrons are quite typical in folklore about witches and wizards and reasonably prominent throughout the Harry Potter books. Capitalizing on this, Rowling's original thought was to make Helga Hufflepuff's Horcrux a cauldron. However, Rowling later decided that a cauldron was just too clunky to be an effective Horcrux. I did consider making Helga Hufflepuff's Hallow a cauldron, but there was something slightly comical and incongruous about having such a large and heavy Horcrux. I wanted the objects Harry had to find to be smaller and more portable. And that concludes the list. These scrapped plotlines from the Harry Potter story offer fascinating insights into the creative process of JK Rowling and the narrative decisions that shaped the beloved series. And while some of these plotlines seem intriguing, we do have to try and remember that they were ultimately discarded in favor of a more streamlined and cohesive storyline. Which abandoned plotlines did you like most? Do you have any to add? Please leave a comment down below. And if you enjoy the content, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.